0: Are you tired of working with generic IT providers that rely on you to be the expert? ArcIT goes beyond just fixing your tech headaches. They specialize in proactive IT management, BIM support and data security for your architecture firm. The team at ArcIT gets your tech so you can focus on doing your best work. Whether you're a small firm of 10 or a growing practice with 50 or more employees, Unleash the full potential of your creative vision with Arc IT. Visit getarcit.com and schedule your free IT assessment today. This episode of Entree Architect Podcast is supported by our generous sponsors BetterHelp, Gusto, and ArtCat.com. My name is Mark Arlapage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where each week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise, all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. Greg Alexander, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. It's nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's great to have you here. This is going to be a fun conversation. I think you and I are very much aligned on the type of work we do. And so this should be a very fun discussion. Let me introduce you to our audience. Greg Alexander is the founder of Collective 54, the first mastermind community dedicated to helping professional services firms grow, scale, and exit. And prior to founding Collective 54, Greg started, scaled, and sold his own consulting company for nine figures. He's the author of the best-selling book, The Boutique, How to Start, Scale, and Sell Professional Services Firm, and the host of the ProServe podcast, so you can listen to him there as well. Good to have you here, Greg.
1: It's good to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: I would love to learn more about you before we jump into what you do today. Where did this all start? When did you discover your passion for what you do today, and maybe even who or what inspired you
1: to move in this direction? It's a great question. I have a very precise answer because I've been asked this question before. Great. So when I was in my early 30s, and I'm now in my early 50s, I went back to school to get my MBA at Georgia Tech. And at the time, I was a young executive at a Fortune 500 company called EMC. And the first week of school, it was an executive MBA program, but they had a one-week kind of onboarding process, if you will. They had the former CEO of Home Depot, a guy my name of Bernie Marcus, come in and speak to us. And his presentation was a single slide. And on one side were the 10 attributes of the CEO. And on the other side were the 10 attributes of an entrepreneur. <laughs> and he asked us to see ourselves. And when I went to get my MBA, it was sponsored by my company and my aspirations at that time were to be a big corporate executive. And I went 0 for 10 on the CEO list, and I went 9 for 10 on the entrepreneurs list. You know, if you can have a professional calling, it was at that moment in time that I realized that my passion and what I was born to be was an entrepreneur and not a corporate executive. And from that moment forward, I set my sights on doing that, and the rest is history, as they say.
0: How early on in your time at Georgia Tech, which I was just there, with my daughter. We were just checking it out. She's a swimmer. She was there for recruiting. Great school. Great school. Really beautiful campus. How far along in your time there did you discover this? Was it early on or was it sort of closer to the end?
1: It was the first day. First day. Yeah.
0: That's what you said. So (laughs) having discovered that in the first day and being in an MBA program, did you have any questions with yourself on whether you should pursue the MBA knowing that you're really an
1: entrepreneur? Well, the great thing about this MBA program, it was specializing in entrepreneurship, right. now specifically on commercializing technical innovation because Georgia Tech is an engineering school. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the material, the curriculum, was based around entrepreneurship. And of course, you know, I graduated and started to be an entrepreneur in the services sector. It happened to be in consulting, but a lot of what I learned at school is what I applied when I put it into practice. So how did you move from EMC to consulting? Well, when I graduated, I quit EMC and opened up my own shop with a classmate of mine. He had kind of the same awakening that I did. And while we were together for those two years, every weekend, Fridays and Saturdays, which was a grind because we were both working full time. We were working on this idea together and we graduated and launched. So what was the consulting firm doing? Who were you serving? So our clients were three types of companies. They were all business-to-business companies, but we didn't work in the big Global 2000 organization. We served companies that were owned by private equity investors, and we served companies that were funded by venture capitalists. And we specialized in business-to-business sales effectiveness. So our primary customer, client, was the head of sales for those organizations. And the type of work that we did is we designed sales territories and wrote sales incentive compensation plans and uh, determined how many people to hire and build the hiring profiles and training programs, things of that nature.
0: And so in the intro, I mentioned that you sold your consulting company for nine figures. Is that the same company that you sold?
1: Yes. We started in 2006 and sold it in 2017.
0: All right. So... First of all, why did you sell? And then what was your next step?
1: <laughs> yeah, I didn't have any plans to sell, truthfully. In fact, I didn't think consulting companies were something that could be sold. But at that time, we were doing a lot of work with private equity firms, as I mentioned previously. And a few of them had said, hey, you know, you guys have built a great firm. If you're interested in selling, let us know. And my partners decided that they didn't want to sell. So we went on that journey together. When we first got into the process, I was more curious than anything. I didn't know if it was actually going to happen. But I got some great advice from my investment banking firm that represented us. It's a company called MHT. And they said, Greg, you know, before you get too far down the path here, I really want you to think about this question. You know, why do you decide to sell? And I gave it a lot of thought and it came back to understanding why I started the firm in the first place. And that was, I had had a lot of success at this technology company and I was proud of that. However, Many felt that my success was being in the right place at the right time. It didn't have a lot to do with me and it had a lot to do with the company that I was in. So I was unfulfilled as a young man. And I said, okay, well, how do I answer a single question? And that is, how good am I? Which is an ego-driven question for sure, but it, in truth, was the question. And I figured the only way I could figure that out is I could start a company from scratch, from my kitchen table with you know no money, no clients, no products or services, and see if I could make a go of it. So that was the reason why I started the firm, was to prove that. So at the end of the journey, I had answered that question because we built a substantial firm. So at that point, it was like, there's really nothing driving me forward. So what do I want to do with the second half of my life? When I sold, I was 47 years old. And I had dreams and aspirations that required me selling my firm because I needed the capital from that firm to go pursue my new dreams and aspirations. So in the end, you know, I was offered an amount of money that allowed me to go pursue my new dreams. So that's why I decided to sell it.
0: That makes sense. And then, so what did you do next? What was your next step?
1: Well, we spent a couple of years, my wife and I traveling around the world and, you know, enjoying ourselves because we, between my corporate life and my entrepreneurial life, I had 25 years into it and I was a little burnt out. But then, you know, there's only so many rounds of golf you can play and only so many states. That gets old quick, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I thought I was done. I really did. And then I realized I wasn't that it was a stepping stone, not the finish line. And I've been a long time participant in mastermind communities. I was in EO and then YPO and then Tiger 21. And I really liked the concept of a community. So I said to myself, all right, well, what am I really passionate about? And what I am passionate about is entrepreneurship. And I said, well, how can I give back to that body of knowledge? And there's a lot out there about being an entrepreneur. However, there's not as much about being a founder entrepreneur of a services firm, whether that's a consulting firm or in your case, an architectural firm or a marketing agency or an accounting firm, there seemed to be a void there. So I said, I wonder if I can take the business model of a community and apply it to a single industry of services. And would that add value? And we did our homework and determined it was, and I funded the company in the end of 19 hired the management team, and we launched in January of 2020. So that's kind of how it was. So the North Star, if you were, was to be associated with entrepreneurs, to make a contribution to the body of knowledge around what it means to be an entrepreneur. And then the way that I'm realizing that is through the mastermind business that we have now called Collective 54. What's the mission for Collective 54? The mission is to help our members Grow, scale, and exit their firms. And that's what we wake up every day thinking about. And those words need some context. So grow means for younger firms to do more of what they're doing, but just do it in bigger bigger numbers and you know, help them along their entrepreneurial journey by increasing their income and their capital. The second group is the scale group. And that group has a different goal. And that is they're past the startup stage but they're working 70 hours a week. It's kind of brute force. It's not necessarily working smarter. So that's that group. And then the third group, eventually all of the founders have got to sell their firms. I mean, we can't run our firms from the graveyard. And selling a services firm is tricky. And we want to help those people that have that desire, you know, pull that off. Who are your typical members? What type of service firms are in your group? Yeah, good question. So The number 54 is in the name Collective 54, because according to the federal government, that's the industry code for services. Now, within that, there's several sub-verticals. And the big ones are law, accounting, architects and engineers, consulting, IT service providers, and marketing agencies. And those are very different domains, for sure. Yeah. However, they all have the same business model. Right. Which is they marketing, selling, and delivering some form of expertise, you know, through human contribution as opposed to, you know, a product. So our membership, which is a few hundred members at this point, it's kind of equally distributed across those sub-verticals. How's the structure
0: of your membership? Is it one big mastermind or is it you had mentioned different groups?
1: Are they actually different groups? Do you have multiple groups within the mastermind? We do. So the membership is structured into three tiers. So there's a growth tier, a scale tier, and an exit tier. And that's criteria that places members into those groups. And then within each of those groups, there are what we call leadership boards, which are 12 to 15 people that are truly peers, you know, based on where they are in their evolutionary life cycle. Yeah. And they meet once a month virtually for 90 minutes. So that's kind of how we structure it. But we also have, unlike some of the groups I mentioned, like YPO and others, we don't have regional chapters. We were born in January of 2020. The plan was to have chapters. And then, of course, COVID hit in March of 2020. We had to pivot. So basically, we went digital. And now everybody loves their kind of being one giant community, you know, kind of all over the world. So we didn't get to the geographic distinction. We did it by membership tier and by cohort. And you're going
0: to stay that way.
1: I think so, yeah. The feedback we're getting from members is they prefer that because many of our members are heavily networked in their local community for the obvious reasons, but their networks aren't great outside their local community. And by participating in Collective 54, it gives them an opportunity to extend their network beyond their own region.
0: Let's take a quick break to say thank you to our sponsors for their support of this episode. Architects, listen up. Is something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? Regardless if you have a clinical mental health issue like depression or anxiety, or if you're just a human who lives in this world and is going through a hard time, therapy can give you the tools to approach your life in a very different way. I know this community of small firm architects very well. And I see, I see many of you struggling. That's why I reached out to this episode's sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp is a platform that makes finding a therapist easier because it's online. It's remote. And by filling out just a few questions, BetterHelp can match you with a professional therapist in as little as a few days. It's easy to sign up and get matched with a therapist. There's a link in the show notes. It's betterhelp.com architect just to use that link, betterhelp.com slash architect. Clicking that link helps support this podcast, but it also gets you 10% off your first month of BetterHelp. So you can connect with a therapist and see if it helps you. If you need someone to talk to, consider online therapy with BetterHelp. Click the link in the show notes or visit betterhelp.com slash architect. That's betterhelp.com slash architect. Thank you to BetterHelp for supporting this podcast and for supporting our community of small firm architects. Running a small firm architect business is just plain hard. Endless to-do lists, employees to take care of, and your ever-present bottom line. So first of all, kudos to you for staying on top of it all. But let me tell you about Gusto. Gusto built an easier and more affordable way to manage payroll and benefits and more. They help over 300,000 businesses by taking the pain out of tasks like automated payroll tax filing, direct deposit, health insurance administration, 401k, onboarding tools, you name it, Gusto makes it easy. And they really care about their small business owners that they work with. Their support team is attentive and helpful. I've used them, I know. And since money can be tight right now, you'll even get three months free when you sign up. I use Gusto and I think you should check it out too. Just go to gusto.com slash architect. That's G-U-S-T-O.com slash architect and start setting up your business today. You'll see what I mean when I say easy. Again, that's three months free payroll at gusto.com slash architect. For over 30 years, RCAT has been providing AEC professionals with high quality and up-to-date building product information. Today, artcat.com is much more than a product catalog with BIM, CAD, and specifications created in collaboration with manufacturers. Beyond that, RCAT.com also offers lead data, continuing education resources, newsletters featuring the latest projects and products, and don't forget, detailed podcasts. Artcat.com is truly the one-stop shop for everything architecture try it out. Go to That's arcat.com. That's arca com. Is there a specific framework that these
1: groups are working within? There is. This framework is laid out in my book called The Boutique, How to Start, Scale, and Sell a Services Firm. And it walks everybody through kind of that life cycle journey. Our point of view is from launch to exit on average takes about 15 years. And there's three distinct stages, the grow stage, the scale stage, and the exit stage. And each one of those stages is approximately about five years. And the way that you run your firm, the way you conduct yourself personally, the types of clients you serve, et cetera, change based on where you are. And that methodology is what guides our member journey. Why did you choose Masterminds? I like the relationship with the member in my Early career, I was with this company, EMC, as I mentioned, and we manufactured a product and customers buy products and it was transactional. Then I started a services firm, my consulting firm, and I had clients and a client would hire a service provider. They weren't buying a product, but they would hire a service provider. It was less transactional than selling a product because there was a relationship, but it still was slightly transactional. It was a one-way street. The great thing about memberships, it's a two way relationship. You know, if you're a member of any organization, you have to contribute as well as take. Right. You have to be a good citizen with your other members. That's what peer to peer learning is all about. And that really attracted me. And that's why we call it a collective. It's the collective body of knowledge, if you will. And we're so fortunate that we have great members who are contributing to our body of knowledge each and every day.
0: Yeah. And that sharing is critical to the success of masterminds. That's what a mastermind is, right? Is that your job as a member of a mastermind is to make sure everybody else is succeeding at the level that they can, right? Not about you, it's about everybody else in your group.
1: And then that gets reciprocated because when you need help, you have members willing to help you.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Very powerful. We do masterminds as well at Entree Architect and they are the most powerful things we do easily. You know, we do courses and workshops and we have a membership community, but the mastermind groups, we have 23 of them, are by far the most powerful. The early ones we launched in 2013, the groups that we launched in 2013 are still together and are best friends, advisors for one another, have grown to succeed with one another, fail with one another. They've gone on vacation with, with one another. Very, very powerful tool. So I can definitely see how you would want to pursue that. With your group, where you have those three phases, where you have, you know, sort of the startup groups and then the growth group and then the exit group, do you, and I know it's very early in the growth of the mastermind, but I'm assuming that the idea is that if you're coming in at the startup group, that the idea is to move through these other groups. Is that how it's going to work?
1: Yeah, that is the way it's designed. However, we have members that enter at different stages. Right. It's not that linear. You know, the other thing that happens, too, is that sometimes you might have a maturity level, let's say, the scale tier in one aspect of your business, like maybe service delivery. And then another aspect of your business, maybe like sales and marketing, you're less mature. So we do allow members to kind of have one leg in one and one leg in the other, you know, depending on their own maturity level. So do they meet with two groups then at that point? Most often not sometimes yes but that particular case is actually let me take a step back there's six features of the membership and maybe this will better answer the question so the first thing is the peer network itself which is what we've been talking about and you know the value to members is that they can plug into an existing network the second thing is content which is really where this deals with Is all kinds of tools and best practices and methodologies And when you're struggling, maybe in some areas, you might go there first. The third element is data. So we collect a lot of benchmarking data. And these are small firms, so therefore they're private and there's not a lot of public data. So, like, for example, am I charging my clients enough? Like, how do I know? Am I paying my people too much or too little? How do I know? So we collect benchmarking data so they get that as well. Then we have events, both virtual and in person. We have software, which is, operating software to run your firm, as well as a membership portal. And then the last thing, which also addresses this issue, is coaching. And coaching comes in several flavors. It can come in the flavor of group coaching in your group. It can come in the flavor with expert coaching. So we have experts that are not in the community, but have an expertise in a certain area and are giving back to your community by hosting that. Sometimes members want to come to me or a member of my staff directly. We have office hours like we used to have at university. And some of these issues that we were just talking about get addressed there as well. So those are kind of the six features. Now, it's highly unlikely that a member uses all six. So depending on each member has their own personalized journey, it's a customized journey that gets architected for them as part of the onboarding process and reviewed every year. We'll kind of plug and play based on what they need at that moment in time. Who is the
0: ideal member in your group, right? Because it's a very large group of people, right? this collective 54, this code 54, as you mentioned earlier, lots of different industries, who is your ideal member? And you know, to be specific, but generally what's your price point?
1: Yeah. Well, I'll give you the specific. So our dues are $835 a month. It works like a Netflix subscription. You just month to month, you can cancel anytime. Yeah, We're pricing it for the small business owners. So we're trying to make it very affordable. And, and that's why it's kind of a one to many model. And that seems to be working well for everybody in terms of the ideal member. There's one personality trait that is the most important by far, and that is people that are lifelong learners. They want to learn from their peers. They want to learn from content. They understand that their firms are going to be as successful as they are individually, and investing in themselves as first-time founders is very, very important. So therefore, they make the time for it. When members leave us or don't join, it's not usually due to money. It's due to the time investment. Yeah and you have to just say to yourself i'm going to do this and build a habit around it so that's the most important thing there are some demographics so for example we're focused on the north american continent so the us and canada you know there's some time zone challenges and language challenges when you get outside of that they've got to be in the professional services industry we have a lot of like software as a service companies that want to come in and we don't let them come in we do like co-founders it's not a requirement but it's a plus and the reason for that is that if like let's say two people join instead of one they can get more out of the membership through a divide and conquer approach so those are some of the things that we're looking for what
0: does the future look like if you built this a few years ago you launched it it sounds like it's growing and very successful do you have plans for what it becomes in the future next five ten years
1: Yeah. So the thing that I'm most excited about is that in our three and a half years, 26 of our members have gone full cycle and have exited. Oh, cool. Yeah. And it's incredibly rewarding to have ringside seat and watch this. And I'm not taking credit for it at all. You know, we were on their journey with them and watched them do that. So, you know, the future is, you know, one day I can come back on your podcast here and say we've got 2,600 instead of 26. Like that would be a really fantastic thing. And it comes back to your first question, which is what I'm passionate about. There's a lot of problems in the world. And I think the entrepreneur are the people and the entrepreneurs are the people to solve those problems. Agreed. I don't think it's government agencies. I don't think it's nonprofits. I don't think it's universities, although they all have a role to play. But I I think it's the courageous entrepreneur that's going to solve these problems. So I'm hoping that the future is, is us contributing to as many fantastic entrepreneurial stories as possible.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I am very aligned with me. I agree with you. I think the big problems in our world will be solved by individuals. Yeah. Lots of individuals doing the things that they do and not going to be solved with policy and government for sure.
1: Case in point regarding your audience, architects, right? So because of working from home now, we have hollowed out downtowns with big giant office towers. Right. Are we just gonna let those things sit there and not be useful and pollute the environment? Or are our brilliant architects gonna to get together and figure out a way to repurpose those buildings and contribute somehow to revibrate, if that's such a word, our downtowns like that. And that's gonna take entrepreneurs to figure that out.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Very interesting conversation. You had mentioned that you have live events. Yeah. What do they look like? Do you have small events and big events, or what's the opportunity for members
1: in a live situation so we have a capstone event an annual event called the founders summit it's held the first week of november every year so it's coming up this year it's in fort worth texas and that's a two-day conference that all the members come to and it's it's really a fantastic event and that's the big capstone event and then we have regional events that we call member meetups that happen on a quarterly basis And they're not everywhere in the country. There's where we have enough geographic concentration of members that they can get together. And they're member-led. Those tend to be a little bit more social. They tend to be more networking events. The big annual event is heavy on educational content. Mm -hmm. The regional member events are more social and networking-based. Our members are referring work to each other all the time. You know, I might be an architect, and I've got a client. And the client, because they trust me and I've been doing business for a long time, they might say, Hey, I need a new accountant. Do you know anybody, right? And that kind of thing is happening a lot, which is, you know, the small firms who live and die off referrals, that's a big deal.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's that's one of the benefits of the big entrepreneurial organizations, right? That's one of the, yeah. the key factors are those referrals. And so I could see how a group like yours, which is even more close knit and tied together, they know each other much better through masterminds that they can become really powerful allies. Yep. What would you say, if there was one thing that you can leave our community of architects, what was one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow,
1: which we leave them with? Yeah. I mean, the biggest problem that services firms in general, and architects in particular, is they build a firm that's completely dependent upon them to be successful. And we would actually argue that's not even a firm that's a practice. And there's nothing wrong with that if your aspiration is just to make a nice income. But if your ambition goes beyond that and you want to build a real firm, the firm has to be able to be successful without you, which means you got to build an executive leadership team. Other people in the firm have to be your your rainmakers. Other people in the firm got to deliver excellent client work. So that's the real issue. And it's kind of a natural progression. You know, you hang your shingle, you know, you're a one-man shop and you start and then you have a little success and then you maybe hire two or three people and on and on. But if you're not careful, one day you wake up And you realize, you know, you've kind of built your own prison cell. You know, you've got all the success and you can't get out of the way because everybody's counting on you. The earlier you can start thinking about that and maybe architecting your architectural firm (laughs) towards solving that problem, the better. So that would be the one thing I would say.
0: Yeah, I'm sure there's
1: hundreds, maybe thousands of
0: listeners right now nodding their head. Yeah. (laughs) They recognize that sounds familiar, right? That They've built their own prisons. His name is Greg Alexander. The company is Collective 54. You can learn more about Greg and Collective 54 at collective54.com. Go check it out. Say hi to them. We'll have links to all of that on the show notes. Greg, thank you for what you're doing. I think it's a very important role that you've dedicated yourself to bringing this group of people, the service provider, people who are entrepreneurs, like we mentioned earlier, they're the ones that are going to improve and save the world for us. And groups like yours, Collective 54, are groups that are helping them become successful so they can go do that, right? So they can have the mission of making the world a better place. So thank you for doing that. And thanks for coming by here and sharing your knowledge at Entree Architect Podcast.
1: Well, Mark, right back at you. I appreciate very much what you're doing for your niche. We share a lot in common in that sense. And it was an honor and privilege to be with you today. So thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. If you liked
0: this episode of Entree Architect Podcast, please share a link with a friend. That is the best way to help us grow. And that's how we have grown to serve thousands of architects just like you. Share a rating, write a review, but most important, share a link to this episode that you just listened to. Go send it off to a friend. I'd really appreciate it. Thank you to all our sponsors for this episode links to the sponsors and all the resources that we discussed today in today's episode. They're all found at entrearchitect.com slash podcast. Entre Architect is a member of the Gable Media Podcast Network, the next evolution of interactive media and resources for the AEC community and beyond. You can now earn continuing education credits for listening to this podcast, Entre Architect Podcast. Select episodes are available for continuing education credit. Go learn more at gablemedia.com slash members. And if you are a small firm architect, listen up, architects. Join us today at Entre Architect Network, the worldwide organization for small firm entrepreneur architects. That's you with monthly business training, business resources, special session webinars, mastermind groups, and a thriving community of small firm architects. Your peers are there. Hundreds of them are there already. We will provide you with the support and the encouragement that you need to succeed. Hey, and this is super exciting. This is new, coming in 2024, Entre Architect Coaches. Yes, finally, after all these years, business coaching for small firm architects. It's coming to Entre Architect Network in early 2024. Join us, try Entre Architect Network for free for 30 days. It's free for 30 days. Visit network.entrearchitect.com to learn more. That's network.entrearchitect.com to learn more. Try it. Come join us. Try it for 30 days. Thank you for listening to this episode of Entre Architect Podcast. My name is Mark R. LePage. Love, learn, and share what you know.